Hi, welcome to Earthmakers, Sacred Stories and Queer Spaces. My name is Johanna. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I am the grateful creator and host of this podcast. Take a deep breath. Settle in. This story is for you. A little bit of an announcement as we prep for our story today. I pride myself on telling the truth to my listening audience, on being transparent and vulnerable on this podcast. It's a big part of how we do things here at Earthmakers. And the truth of the matter is, despite how much I absolutely adore doing this podcast work and putting these stories out in the world, it's hard work. It takes time and energy and money to make stories like this happen, to make these recordings work the way that they do. As I am preparing to wrap up the fourth season of this podcast, yes, we will be reaching the end of the fourth season soon. I have a handful of episodes prepared for the end. I am thinking about the sustainability of this work. I would love nothing more than to keep making Earthmakers until I can't make Earthmakers podcast anymore. But the truth of the matter is, being a transgender woman, being a queer person, living in this body and living in this culture in this time, I've endured a lot of loss. And part of that, a big part of that, has been financial loss and a lack of security. And dear cherubs, in order for me to continue making this podcast, in order for me to move into a fifth season eventually, I need more support. And I need your support above and beyond anything else. And that support, sadly, in my opinion, needs to come in the form of money. If you are listening to this podcast and you are somebody who treasures the work that happens here at Earthmakers, I implore you to consider a financial gift to the podcast. This can be done in a number of ways. Uh, you can 
click the link in the show notes that says support this podcast and it will take you to Anchor uh, where they will walk you through the process of setting up um, a one-time or a regular donation. We have a few givers right now and it's awesome and I'm super grateful for the people that give regularly but we do need people to give more. Even if it's just $5 a month, we can use that money to make better content for you here at Earthmakers. Another way to give is to take part in Earthmakers events. The very first Earthmakers coffee shop mini retreat is happening in St. Paul, Minnesota at the JS Bean Factory on the corner of Randolph and Saratoga, September 30th through October 2nd. Because I am a Buddhist practitioner, everything that I do is by donation only. And it's a hard way to live in this culture, especially as a trans person. And so I ask you to consider a donation um, of $5 for that weekend, for that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's all I ask is five bucks. If you can give more, that's fantastic, but I don't expect it, certainly. If you are unable to attend the Coffee Shop Mini Retreat and you want to give anyways, please click the link in the show notes or reach out to me at earthmakerspod at gmail.com or tweet at me at earthmakerspod and let me know that you want to give and I will share the Venmo account with you so that you can give. It is hard to ask for money in this day and age because everybody seems to be struggling and it is the only way forward for this podcast. So um, I am in need of your help and Earthmakers, Sacred Stories and Queer Spaces podcast is in need of your help as well. A third and final way that you might consider giving money is by setting up one-on-one spiritual counseling sessions with me. And if you do so, we can do so in person or virtually. Either one is fine. And um, you can Venmo me the money for the session. And we can have as many sessions or as few sessions as you feel is appropriate for you. I want to see Earthmakers thrive in the future, and in order for that to happen, I need your help. Thank you for considering donating to Earthmakers, Sacred Stories, and Queer Spaces. I'm really grateful for you. When I was a kid, I developed a fear of spiders. I have lots of stories, mostly hilarious (laughs) stories about uh, confronting spiders 
in the everyday. And today's story is about happening upon a spider by accident, which is typically how it happens. It tends to take me off guard. To be fully honest with all of you, uh, I used to uh, regularly kill spiders when I found them in my home or anywhere around me. I would, I was so afraid of them. And if they were anywhere close to me, I would freeze up and then I would find whatever I could, a newspaper, a fly swatter, uh, a water bottle, and I would smush them. But once I became a, a Zen Buddhist and started my practice, I took vows, one of which is to not kill or to do the least amount of harm as possible. And so I take that very seriously. And although I am afraid of spiders and I don't really like them, I honor them. And so now I do my best to find a way to get the spider into a container and to release it outside. I remember it was an early Easter morning and I must have been around 10 or 11 years old. And we were all dressed up for Easter. I remember I had a comb over and a button shirt and slacks. And my dad had been out in our giant backyard beyond the field in the hedgerow uh, by himself. He likes to take time for solitude. And my mom said, you know, we need to get ready to go to the early church service, the sunrise service. So please go and find your dad. So I dutifully went outside and started heading toward the back field. And the sun had just started to rise and its golden rays were covering the fields, the long stalks of straw were glowing gold in the early sunlight. It was a really beautiful morning and I found one of the trails through the field and I started walking the trail, but I was doing so quickly. My mom had sent me on a mission to find my dad, and that's what I was doing. But I found myself stopping quite suddenly, because there, amongst the tall stalks of grasses and weeds and straw, was a spider not just any spider. It was the largest spider I had ever seen. It was enormous and it had made an intricate, gorgeous web and had stretched out its web 
its tapestry, its art between two thick stalks of plant life. And it sat right in the center of its web. It was terrifying to behold. It reminded me a little of Shelob, the giant spider goddess from Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. There were some reds and browns and yellows on its body. It was almost just as ornate as the web it had spun. And the golden rays of early morning sunlight were shining through the web. And on each strand of the web, you could see glistening dewdrops. As if somebody had covered it in jewels. And the spider itself was surrounded by a halo, a crown of gorgeous light. And I paused and I took a breath and I took a step back because even at the age of 11, I knew that something was holy about this spider, about this web, about this moment on that Easter Sunday. And I just watched, awestruck. On my way to find my father, I had stumbled upon beauty. Terrible and glorious, scary and comforting all at once. And I knew that the distance I had created between me and the spider was right. It was sacred. If I had been a Buddhist at that age and had understood the meaning behind it, I would have bowed to the spider and to its web. It is an image I will never forget. Do you have images like that in your memory, in your life? Things that you can't unsee? And I'm not talking about the, the, the super traumatic things. We all have that shit for sure, but what, what about the moments of intense beauty? Moments that touch a heart, that open eyes, that would rather remain closed. What are those images for you? In the native Pueblo tradition, 
in the New Mexico area. There is a creator, and the creator has many faces, takes many forms, and one of those forms is the form of the great spider, which is this giant cosmic spider. And that sounds to me as a mild arachnophobe as horrifying. <laughs> and at the same time, just amazing. The great spider is called grandmother or grandma spider sometimes by the Pueblo Indians. And it is the duty of Grandma Spider to weave a web, a giant ornate tapestry of all life that exists in this world and beyond. And every thread of the web represents a being that lives and moves and exists. But just like any other web, if one thread is cut, severed, weakened in some way, the entire web could collapse. So each thread matters. And when you think of it this way, it's a good reminder that you are a thread in Grandma Spider's web, and I am a thread in Grandma Spider's web, and your dog and cat, the fish in the bowl, the grasses in your yard, the giant tree that is older than any of the houses on your block, <clears throat> and yes, the people that you find absolutely despicable, the people that it is easy to hate, or the people that you want to put out of your mind forever and ever. These people Every being that lives is a thread in Grandma Spider's giant cosmic web of all life. It's a reminder of the Buddhist tradition of the interconnectedness of all beings or the Hindu tradition of non-dualism, the belief and practice that you, me, God, the tree, the fish, the dog, and even Donald Trump are all one thing. We are all of one substance. We are not separate. We are all one.
thing. And we're all just as the late great Ramdas would have said, walking each other home. Eventually, that Easter Sunday morning, I found my dad, and he, he and I walked the rest of the trail together to go back to the house and get ready for church. And as we passed the spider on our way, I looked over my shoulder to catch one last look at this moment of great beauty. And although I do not understand spiders because they represent the scary, frightening, unknown to me, I am grateful for the gift of beauty that they offer. You see, we don't need to understand all life to see that we're all connected and to see the gifts that all beings provide one another. I was in a park in Atlanta, Georgia once, many years ago, and there was a young homeless artist playing guitar by a fountain in the park. It looked as if the guitar was his only possession and he played it so beautifully. I've never seen, despite having been to many concerts and trained with many virtuoso musicians in my life, I have never seen such or heard such a wonderful concert in my life. And although I did not understand him or know him or know what he was going through, I left him some money because he had provided this majestic gift for us that day in the park. He forced us to slow down and listen to recognize his humanity and in so doing find our own. My high school friend Aaron once told a story about traveling to India to work with some musicians and one of the musicians who joined them was a homeless man who was intoxicated and he brought a violin with him and he began playing it and it was screeching and squawking and it was unbearable to listen to and yet he was playing it with all his heart a gift to God and so instead of asking him to stop playing they warmly invited him to play with them. And it felt out of tune, but he was playing from the heart. And although he was a homeless man with mental illness who walked the village shouting and scaring people, he provided music, even for just 10 minutes that day.
You don't have to understand. We don't have to understand. Or know someone or something to receive the gift of beauty from it. All life, all life is connected. No one's asking you to save the homeless man. No one's asking you to get on your knees and build an altar and worship the fucking spider. Nobody's asking you to do that, but rather to just stop and acknowledge I'm receiving a gift right now. And maybe I have a gift I can share as well.